you are listening to the Spiritual Warrior Coach with Barbara Sabin, the podcast for discovering how powerful your wisdom, compassion, and courage is. Get ready to join Barbara and her guests as they explore and offer you advice on how to reclaim your power, your energy, and your authentic self. And now, here's the host of the show, Barbara Sabin. Well, thank you for joining me today, and welcome to the Spiritual Warrior Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Barbara Sabin, and I am here to help you reclaim your power, your energy, and your authentic self. You know, I am a certified clinical and medical hypnotherapist, Reiki master and teacher, energy healing specialist, life coach, and best-selling author of Gentle Energy Touch, The Beginner's Guide to Hands-On Healing. You know, I have been helping my clients for over 35 years, and the older I get, hmm, the more wisdom seems to come through. So isn't it time that you believe in yourself? You know, your mind is going to provide you with your greatest challenges in life because it's so very, very powerful. So let's use it for positive thinking, creating harmony, balance, peace, love, happiness, and anything else that you're heart desires, because one day the world will tap you on your shoulder and say, this is your time to shine. And speaking about shining, I'm going to bring my guest on right now. Boy, she is truly a shining star. How are you, Jules? (laughs) Oh my gosh, I'm doing fantastic. This is wonderful. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. It is so (laughs) nice to meet you. Believe me. Yeah, yeah. So let me tell my listeners a little bit about you. Okay. Uh, Jules is an award-winning author. She's a speaker and a bodybuilder and hopes to inspire others to push forward no matter what the challenges are. And after enduring an abusive childhood, Jules decided to use her early trauma to enter recovery, sexually liberate herself, and enter the competitive world of bodybuilding. And at the age of 49, Jules placed third at the NPC North America Championships in 2021. Wow. (laughs) That is, that's a big accomplishment. That was a lot of work. (laughs) You know, I um, I mean, this is going back a long time ago when my daughter was 18. She actually got very much into bodybuilding. Okay. And I think she placed third. I mean, this is like, oh my God. 30 years, well, no, uh, 20 something years ago. I don't even remember, but yeah, it it was a lot of hard work dieting and, and everything else, but you did it. (laughs) I did. I did. And I didn't even think I could. I think that's the miraculous part of this is like, I didn't, I had no concept of how powerful I was. (laughs) Well, I I think most of us, uh, we truly don't understand how truly powerful we are, Mm -hmm. especially as, as women. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's a very much a subculture of a male uh, community. So yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, things are starting to change though. Mm-hmm. That's how Goodness. I feel. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I know, you know, in your the introduction, I mentioned about you having a, an abusive childhood. Can you tell a listeners a little bit about that? Absolutely. You know, I, if you think back into the 70s, where I don't know if all your viewers will be able to uh, even comprehend that, but it's a day and age where there was not a lot of resources. And as you just referenced, as women, we had very limited resources. Now we still struggle with it. So just imagine what it had been like for my mom back in those days. And so, you know, here we have, you know, my mom and my dad, my mom's working at, you know, as a, a secretary, my father is, a, you know, a contract laborer. Um, we're in a rural area of the you know upper uh, midwest um and so there's not not a lot of like community where uh, city life we're, we're in the rural area and so um we had a lot of secrets things that stayed um within our four walls and so my father being the contract laborer struggled with keeping employment and so of course having that on his shoulders Um, went through a lot of ebb and flow. And so my father also had the disease of alcoholism. And so um, I think I must've been like six. And um, and my father came home in one of his drunken stupors and 
was at his wit's end and the best decision he could make with the choices that he thought he had before him was to commit a family suicide. Oh. And so um, in my eyes, my dad was my everything. This is my daddy. He takes me places. He tells me, you know, that he loves me. And he's, he's just, I mean, he's so proud of his little daughter. And so this is a side I never, I have never really experienced. And so, you know, quick summary of that evening is that, you know, my mom put me to bed. Um, and so when my dad, as he's writing out this horrific letter, I'm sure, um, of his plans, he would go back to my bedroom to say goodbye to me. And when he would be doing that, my mom would take the gun and throw it off the, the patio, right? And then he would come back out and he'd start writing the letter and he'd get the new gun, you know? So he's, cause he's in oblivion, you know? It's like, he has no idea really what's happening. And so this went on for a couple hours and I can't imagine the turmoil my mother was feeling, thinking, what am I going to do? And I have nobody to reach out to. So, um, you know, of course uh, I believe in a higher power you know, the phone rang at two o'clock in the morning, um, which was my mom's out. And we literally, she swooped me up. I'm in my pajamas, Holly Hobby pajamas. And I grabbed my Grover and uh, we, you know, we whisked off into the night. I mean, it, it, there was, I remember getting in that big car and I have my pajamas on and a winter coat. And I'm just like, what are we doing mom? And, and, and we just kept driving and driving and it was just dark. And we ultimately went to a family member's that night for safety. Wow. So did he, did he commit suicide? He did not. Didn't. So oh. grateful. Oh, good. So grateful. Because that phone call was one of his friends. Mm. And this tells you how small town it was. He was the sheriff, <laughs> who was oh. also my dad's drinking buddy. Okay. So it, that, yeah, he just happened to call and say, hey, what's going on out there? And he stopped out. They made some small talk. My mom was able to, you know, take her exit. So no, I'm grateful that that did not, none of that uh, transposed. Thank God. So did your mom stay, stay with him? No, within that small uh, agency that she worked for, there were attorneys. And so when we pretty much hightailed it to one of the attorney's properties um, down in Southern Texas, actually, uh, the divorce proceedings then started to take place. They did a restraining order, all of that. So when I returned, it was like, this is our new home. And where's my daddy? Like, what, why is it just, why are we just here? And what do you mean? I'm not going to see him. And it was a lot of confusion, a lot of confusion, but you know, I had my mom and I just, you know, I'm six years old. I just, I just go with what mom's going to do. Right. Wow. So that must've been very devastating for you. Yeah. Not to see him, especially, you know, yeah, you had a bond with him. Totally did. I totally did. Probably better than with my mom. I mean, my, my daddy, like I said, he just totally admired me and, and vice versa. And so, um, you know, I think my mom was a disciplinarian too. <laughs> so I think that I think might have a part in it, but yeah, my dad was all like, she's fine. <laughs> my mom was also, so yeah. Yeah, so maybe that's a little bias. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wow. So then um, throughout this divorce, were you able then to see him? Or no. did she, oh, so she completely took you away from him. For 25 years, I didn't oh. see my father. Oh. Yeah, she made some very drastic changes. And I can't put myself in her shoes, but all I can think is that now that I've passed that age that she was at and try to imagine what it'd be like in those circumstances with a daughter, you know, the survival. I mean, come on, let's face it. I can't even imagine what she was making an hour there. Um, it's very prideful. Uh, you know, she was very prideful. So the thought of like getting, you know, some sort of assistance was just beyond because she could work, of course. So, you know, she would never, never take any sort of assistance. And so um, it was probably looking back at paperwork is really how I put a lot of this, the pieces back together. But mm -hmm. my, uh, my mom then started to date another, another guy within, I think they were married within the six month window. So that tells me that there probably was not a lot of emotion involved in the decision. And, you know, let's face it, he, he made money. He, you know, it was, he provided a stable situation. Um, you know, and, and actually it was a larger family that, that I'm, you know, that we moved into. So 
again, I'm just, I'm six. <laughs> I'm doing what my mom says. Wow. But, but what happened is one of those soon to be siblings, um, when they were dating, this is the time where one of the other kids would come over and babysit. And so uh, one of the older siblings at that time then started to um, show me magazines. This is what adults do. This is what, what you're going to do when you become a big girl. And, and so all of that conditioning started to take place even before they got married. And oh. so then we just shift right into, now we're in this big family. I'm living in a whole totally another new home, somebody else's home. You know, it, it was a trailer. So my mom and the stepfather was literally in the front of the trailer. And then all of us kids were in the back on these homemade bunk beds. I mean, it's, we were, it was definitely this separation. And so again, this is when, you know, siblings would take care of their, their other siblings when the parents would go off to work as well. And so um, then that allowed that space um, for my brother to continue that conditioning um, and abuse cycle for probably a three-year window. Oh, and you never told your mom or, or his... I was already so disconnected from my mom. Okay. Um, I don't even know if I would have known how to bring that up um, mm -hmm. because she was already, she's up there in survival mode, right? She's like running this household and she's keeping him happy. And so, and, and, and let's face it, it's kind of like, this is a new environment. I have a new bed. I have new brothers and sisters. This behavior is also new. Is that, mm -hmm. is that part of the package? You know, even though I didn't like it and it felt weird. It felt weird. Yeah, I still didn't realize, and I don't think kids do when we go through this. We do not realize no. that that is tra is traumatic. We we don't, because let's face it, a lot of other areas of my life were also very traumatic at that yeah. time. Did, so, did did he do it to his other to his sister too, or just his sister is older? Oh, okay. Yep, but I did learn that this this incestuous uh, behaviors trickled down way back from grandma and grandpa stages. So through the uncles and through, you know, so it was just, it, it, it was a family dynamic, unfortunately. Wow. So do you feel that, uh, well, how did you finally get away from all that? Um, again, I was still very young. And so my parents, or better yet, my dad got a new job, which thank God, um, I moved then to Washington state with my family and they, because he was older, he then stayed there. And there's a part um, that I that I referenced to in this the memoir I've written is that it was a very profound moment. I'm sitting in the front of this U-Haul like truck, and you know I'm I'm probably like stuck in you know between three other people in the front seat, and I remember looking in the mirror and watching him get smaller and smaller and smaller as we drove away. That was so empowering mm -hmm. even at that age I mean I must have been like what nine ten years old um it's like oh my god there he goes and it's just like and it, it felt like the sense of release yeah like Freedom. the cables in other words were being cut yeah that was wonderful so so yeah we lived in uh in the beautiful state of Washington for a short time um a brother was born um between my mom and my stepdad um in this time my stepfather has now uh adopted me so my biological father has absolutely no rights to me. No rights. Wow. No rights to me. Um, and we just keep moving forward, right? And so then we relocated to Southern California and I was pre-puberty. So um, I, <laughs> I, I was promiscuous. I took the behaviors that I had been taught mm -hmm. into every day. I, again, nothing's ever been brought to the surface. So I'm kind of the one who's cycling through these thoughts and, and what's best and what's not. And, you know, there was a time where uh, I, I was sponsored to go to a YMCA camp in Santa Cruz, California. Now, being one of six kids at this point, there is zero money for this kind of stuff. We do not even do after school activities. So I am beyond myself excited that I, somebody has sponsored me. And little did I know that this sort of information and, and experiences I've had, <laughs> if it's brought out into the public, actions start to take place. So if you can imagine, I'm in this wonderful area of Santa Cruz. I'm chit-chatting with all these girls that are my age, and we got counselors in here asking probing questions. And I just let her roll out. 
I just, I told everything. It was, it, I was amongst people who finally wanted to hear what I had to say. And, and then it was like, <laughs> then one of the counselors said, you're not going to go home tonight. I'm going to have you stay with me when we get back to, you know, back to the YMCA. Um, and so I was like, okay, cool. This is fabulous. Let's keep this going. And, and little did I know, you know, that she was legally, uh, you know, abided to, um, to report this. And so um, I, I didn't go home. I went, I went to her house. And um, even though there was a lot of changes there, you know, the authorities then came in, which was super confusing. Um, it scared me. I couldn't really talk to my family because, you know, now I'm living in another household. My mom is really, really absent. Um, and so I shift into my environment. And this counselor was right after a divorce. And so she's in that let's party, let's have a great time stage of life. Oh, And I fit right in. And you fit right in. But and didn't your mother have like, did she know where you were or did she oh, care yeah. or? Yes, absolutely. Because when we arrived at that YMCA that night, you know, usually the buses come rolling in at like nine o'clock at night, all the parents are there, everybody's mm -hmm. happy. I went to the office instead. And so not thinking too much of it. Um, and that's where my mom was in that office. And so, and this was something else that kind of gave me the aha moment, like, wow, this isn't normal. Um, I sat on one side of the, the desk with this counselor as you know, my, as she informed my mom on the other side of the desk, what, what was happening? And my mom didn't come over to my side of the desk. Oh. So it was kind of, you know, if that was my daughter, oh my gosh. Oh yeah. Right? Totally different re response to that. So I've had a little inklings like that. Like maybe my mom was not in, in a good spot and maybe mental health was an issue for her too. Mm -hmm. I don't know, I don't know. But um, so yeah, I, I stayed uh, at that counselor's for, for many months and I took all of those life skills and put them into practice. And so there were older men, there were drugs, there was alcohol, there was partying, the, everything. And it was right there in my own home. And your mom didn't want to take you back. I think at that time, my mom had so much going on much because going again, on. If, if this is her way of surviving, mm -hmm. right, in this marriage, I'm sure she's trying to keep that ship floating, right? So I think that, um, and also she did ask me at one point, you know, did this happen? And I said, yes. And then that was it. There was no discussion. And then she started with the divorce proceedings. So then we all drew back, drove back to the Midwest. Um, so she and, and left her, the second husband, we all drove back to the Midwest. Oh, all of us. Yes. And so it was like this, I don't know, cordial divorce. I don't know, but yeah. because there was the new son, my brother, he, um, he wanted to have, he wanted to be able to see his son. So anyway, decisions that weren't mine, we get back to the Midwest. I am now on fire. I've found my power. I've, you know, I know how to manipulate people. And Ooh. so I'm in ninth grade. <laughs> wow. And you've gone through all this by then. Oh boy. So, uh, so yeah, we get to this small town, you know, back in, back in, uh, in Wisconsin and, you know, I'm, I'm wearing high heels. I'm wearing mini skirts. So I'm at the smoker's corner. I mean, I've been an adult for, you know, like the last year of my life. What do you, what do you mean I have to go back to this class and all these restrictive measures? And so um, it was the first semester actually, and the counselor had called me in and I was like, oh God, I'm going to get a beating here. And, and, uh, and he said, you know, Jules, I just don't think you're going to do very well here. Oh. And I, he says, you know, there are other options of getting your education and, I would suggest that you look along the lines of getting a GED um, and, and moving forward with that. And so my ninth grade mind heard the, I have the green light. Mm -hmm. And so I dropped out immediately. Wow. It's exactly what I wanted. I had to get out of there. This is ridiculous. And so that's, that's where I went on my journey all by myself from that point, 19 years after that. Oh, so it got worse then. It got a lot worse. Got a lot worse. Because now, now I have no guidance. I have all of these behaviors. I have all of this, this dogma of who I am and what I'm good for. 
my my sex became my currency so i could just go and i could chameleonize right so i could go mm-hmm. to this relationship and become exactly what they needed me to be and then i could go here and here and here so it's like i i was almost like this actress going mm-hmm. from relationship to relationship, relationship to relationship now one of the things i think most people misunderstand when they hear a story like that is that first off that they think it's glamorous <laughs> it's not glamorous it's not glamorous yeah. it's not glamorous at all yes i had a lot of freedom and yes i thought i was just i was just doing it my way right all these restrictions and nobody's all that's gone nobody's telling me what to do um and so but what happened is instead of just wanting to, you know, be free and my number one goal was just to get my feet underneath me. I desperately strive for the feeling of just being self-sufficient. I desperately wanted nobody's input. I don't want you to tell me what I have to do for you. I don't want you. It's like that kind of resistance. And so I would, you know, morph into these relationships and get a job. I would enroll in school. I mean, I have seven transcripts (laughs) because I desperately was like, it was like this reset button, reset button, reset button. And that's all I wanted to do. I just wanted to get stable enough to get underneath my feet, to get a little bit of money in the bank so I could get, you know, get moving forward again. And, And did all this stop for you? You know, like the relationships with different people? Oh, terribly terribly because if you think what are my coping mechanisms yeah there's zero Mm -hmm. in fact I don't even know what options are I Mm -hmm. just do what you tell me to do okay so and then when I resist that well ultimately that turns into a fight and so (laughs) um the last three years before I got sober I moved 13 times that's once every 12 weeks so that is that is the duration of my cycle. And all it would, all it really was doing is I was just hitting rewind and play, rewind and play. And then the characters just changed. And so did the locations. I was still my common thread. Yeah. So how did you finally stop all this? Well, how did it stop? Oh, you know, and I know you wrote a book called The Making of Woman, you know, and I want to get into that. And, and yeah. how did you tell yourself, this all has to stop. It has to end. That concept, that, that thought never crossed my mind because here I am, I'm a warrior. I'm out there and damn it, I'm going to make it. Uh It's you. That's the problem. It's not me. Stop trying to, you know, restrict me. And so um, ultimately what happened is of course, during these relationships, I would move from city to city to city. And so now I find myself in, in, uh, in Texas actually, and I'm in, uh, I'm in a relationship with a woman. I'm living with her again. I'm trying to get my feet underneath me. I'm working at the hospital. I'm, you know, I'm doing all the things that I usually do, my rinse and repeat. <laughs> mm-hmm. And what had happened is I was, um, there was one, one Sunday in particular where I was out with some friends of hers, actually, and we were driving around. They were in the front seat and I was in the back. And I had just nonchalantly said, I just wish I didn't drink so much. And the two people, unbeknownst to me in the front seat, both those girls were in recovery. Oh. I didn't even know what source was doing for me because I didn't even know that that was the problem. Mm-hmm. And within a 30 minute window of those words coming out of my mouth, those women had found me a room of recovery. And I was sitting in one of those really cold metal folding chairs within a 30 minute window. Wow. And from that point, now keep in mind, this has been 19 years. I'm tired. Mm-hmm. Let's just put that out there. I am exhausted. I'm depleted because every one of my best ideas has been a disaster. Right. Like there's only so much hope a, a, a person can hold, I think. Mm-hmm. And so that's depleted trust factor. My God, that's been at a negative zero, you know, a negative for, for quite a few years. And of all these layers of armor, because I have to protect myself as I'm out there in these wars of, you know, of relationships. Relationships. Yeah. And so that is really where part two starts coming in. So you had like sort of, you could say two different lives, I want to say. Totally. A life of that. And then now, so now what happened with part two? I'm sure that all changed. 
everything. <laughs> but you know, and, and, and of course I can come off with this glorious story of like, and then she got sober. <laughs> okay, but that might- Not that you know, easy. <laughs> uh -huh. That does happen. That's part of the paragraph. Mm -hmm. But you know, <laughs> I am still me and I am still the one who I am going with as we move mm -hmm. forward. And so, you know, after, after that day, when those, when those ladies brought me into that room, there was a little bit, like a little, it must've been just like a needle point that got through the armor and, and just kind of chiseled away at the ice around my heart. Ooh. Enough for me to want to do it again the next day. So I found a, a room, you know, a meeting uh, within my area that I lived. These girls got me set up. I went to that meeting the next day and the next day and the next day. So here's this process taking place. Barbara, I didn't even know that it was taking place. Oh, I am just feeling a sense of, oh, okay, I can catch my breath. These people are going to, they're listening to me. Yeah, yeah <laughs> they're, they're not telling me to get out. In fact, they're saying, Jules, we'll see you tomorrow. Mm -hmm. You know, and so over the process of even that first year of going back every day, I'm still, I mean, if you think all of this, all of these behaviors and resentments and rage and trauma, okay, alcohol and drugs, that was the Band-Aid that kept everything down. Mm -hmm. Okay, we've ripped that Band-Aid off and there's nothing to keep it down. Mm -hmm. So with every emotional you know, upheaval, this whole thing, like a, a volcano would erupt and it erupted in those rooms. And so these people who, by the way, don't even know me, mm -hmm. want literally nothing from me is allowing me the space mm -hmm. to go through these ebb and flows. If it's good, if it's bad, I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a mess. I'm a hot mess. Wow. But that's where my healing began. That's when it's, yeah. Totally. Began. It's amazing. God puts people in our, we, we don't realize at first, but then we do. We do when we help look us back. To heal. Yeah. When we look back. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's yes. a reason for everything. Totally. Totally. So, so you went through all this, you know, uh, uh, finally, did you finally get sober? I got sober at the age of 35. Okay. <laughs> and that right there is a book. Like the title could be being dropped on planet sober. Like I was an alien within this world. I had yeah. no idea. What are the rules as a woman? How do I dress <laughs> um, as an authentic woman? What does that look like? I mean, girl, I had no concept whatsoever. It's like almost like you were speaking in German to me. I mean, I had no concept. Um, and so there was a lot of learning curves, right? And again, I'm very resistant to everything. And so it's like, oh, wait, no, no, I'm not going to, no, I'm not going to do that. No, no. You know, and then, you know, they would have words like, you need to surrender. And it's like, are you, have you lost your mind? Do yeah. you not know where I've come from? Are you, what? Yeah, exactly. what kind of clan is this? <laughs> <laughs> surrender is so, a big word. Surrendering is letting it go. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Here is where I realized again, looking back, the power of the word. Yeah. Now, semantics was a really big thing for me because A, let's face it, my life was not unmanageable. I was doing very well, thank you very much. You know, um, and, and words like surrender and, you know, your will and your, it's just like, oh my God, what is, no. So I had to change words up. So yeah. things like, for instance, like life unmanageable. Okay, let's scratch that. And we're just going to say, Jules, what's not working for you? Oh, well that, let me, I can give you like almost a book of things that aren't working uh -huh. for me right now. So that really gave me the insight of what, you know, the power of the word and how, again, we're categorized and that's what that means. Mm -hmm. So I had to really unlearn. I unlearned. And in fact, if there's a time where a word comes to me now or something comes to me now and it just feels like I'm conditioned, I stop. Yeah, you stop. Yeah, I'm, I'm mindful of that today mm -hmm. um, where and so I, I'm grateful that that happened, but it was not pretty in the beginning. In fact, I always say, if you look good doing it, you're not doing it right. <laughs> wow. It's supposed to be messy. Yes, so you finally, finally got it at the age of 35. I did. And, and then like from that till now, like what transpired? And I know you've written this incredible book. 
yes. that uh, I probably it should be definitely a number one bestseller because Put that so out much. into the universe. Yes, I'm putting it out right now. It's going <laughs> to be you. a number one bestseller. Thank you. <laughs> the making of a woman. So yeah. it's it's an autobiography all, all about what happened to you. Yes. And when I sat down to write this book, and I, we'll fast forward a little bit here, um, because you know, you tell a normal person <laughs> what your life is like, and their first response is, their response is, holy crap, girl, you need to write a book. Because <laughs> you know? they're like, like, oh my God, they're blown away. And I'm thinking, this is just my day. This is just my Tuesday. Like, what are you talking about? But what I really, you know, fast forward again, this is probably, you know, well into being sober for many years and, and, and being able, oh my God, so many experiences. And what I realized is that the thing I did not want to do by bringing all of this to the surface was putting that energy out into the world because we don't need any more traumatic information. I am not here to sprinkle that out into the world. But instead, I had found that when I talk with people, everybody's story is different, right? Your existence is different and mine and hers. And, and so, but then what I've learned is that we have this common thread and it's the language of the heart. Mm -hmm. So when I say the word love, you automatically have that kind of response. You know what that feels like. Same with when I say the word desperate, that gives a whole different energetic you know, response. And so I played on that. I stayed within that realm as I told my story. So then as we're going through and I'm describing to you what it felt like to be back there in the Midwestern towns you know, with no resources, that, that prisoned, imprisoned feeling, that's how I take you through my story. And I think the cool thing is by doing that, you get to have the same euphoria I do when we get sober. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when we, have, uh -huh. right, we have these miraculous things take place that I realize looking back at my history, that wasn't me. I am not the reason why this, you know, A, B, and C has happened. I'm in partnership today where before I thought I had to do it solo. Mm -hmm. And then today I realized, again, through that recovery process of moving the old stuff out, opening it up and allowing new stuff to come in, that whole process right there has taught me now that I have a concept of something bigger than me, that I, I'm in partnership with that. Mm -hmm. And so as long as I stay out of that driver's seat <laughs> and stay in the passenger seat, <laughs> I am the best co-pilot you will ever meet. <laughs> wow. So, so I, I know you're married now, right? I am. Sorry, so, how, how did, so how did that happen? <laughs> I actually, okay. So here's this concept, right? Of this higher power. Uh -huh. Now I, this is, we're in the Bible belt when I got sober. So again, the semantics of the word God and, you know, let's face it. It's, it's very strong religion in my area. So I was uh -huh. very repulsive against that. So my concept, concept of this higher power is just like we're doing right now. I'm going to talk with it. I'm going to chitty chat with it throughout the day. I'm going to bounce ideas off it. So it's this constant conversation I'm having with this source, we'll say. So it got to a point in my life where all of the wreckage has been cleaned up. I, you know, I'm, I'm stable. I'm, you know, I'm working with other people who are also, you know, have been in my shoes coming in, getting sober. Um, and there was this moment in time where I had this conversation with, with source and said, you know, it was one night I said, I know you know me better than anybody. <laughs> and I know you know what I need better than anybody. But if it's in the cards, I would really like to find somebody I could fall head over heels in love with. Mm -hmm. I know if it's not right, if I'm not right, I'm good. I'm good. I accept it. Um, and, and it was probably like even that next week, I felt I had this moment where I'm literally, I'm online and I'm making this profile and I'm thinking, I feel like a teenager, like this is so yesteryear. And that's how I met him. Wow. I met him that way. And, 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 and when we got together and we started that dating process, one of the most amazing things that happened that was different from part one, part one, I had to learn them so I could become what they needed. What they needed. Mm -hmm. Here, I presented who I am 
and what I needed. Right. It was a whole different experience. But again, like unbeknownst to me, this was all in the making as I focused on staying sober. So when I met him, we're having coffee. I'm telling him, you know, I really love the life I've created and I don't want to change that. So I have a girlfriend right now and she's not going anywhere (laughs) and you are not joining me, (laughs) you know, like, so I had to explain to him what was this new authentic self that had surfaced in the process of recreating an authentic life. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't, from his reaction, I would have to say that didn't happen often. Um, you know, he was very taken back by that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and just that I was, it wasn't like I was demanding. I was just like, my hair is blonde mm-hmm. and my lipstick is red. Mm-hmm. And this is also, part, you know, it's just part of my truth. And so um, I do know that he came from source because Barbara, just like I was explaining of how disastrous I was when I first got sober. Now I have to cohabitate with somebody under a marriage. Mm-hmm. I don't, what, what? That was, again, a lot of resistance, a lot of misunderstanding, a lot of, you know, and so Source gave me the most patient man I have ever, ever met, ever met, Mm -hmm. you know, and it is not roses. I'm still me. I'm still scared. I'm still have, you know, I have this in my history, you know, Um, even though I've done a lot of healing, there's still a lot of triggers. And so we've had those conversations. He, you know, he's like, if you have this trigger what am I supposed to do? And, and so here's a little snapshot. I was, if you imagine I'm going through a rage, I'm throwing out all this stuff underneath in my bathroom sink. This place is a disaster. La, 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 la. And he walks in and I'm sure his eyes got like swapsters, like <laughs> what the hell is happening to my wife? And, and I look up at him and you could just, you could just feel all that energy. And he, he looks at me and he goes, how can I help? Oh, wow. <sighs> Not in uh, most men would say, what are you doing? What do you, wh- why What's are you wrong with here? you? Like crazy. Right? Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. He joined me. He completely energetically joined me and said, how can I help? I've got chills all over my body as I say that, but that one by joining me, like completely deflated every, all that energy, all that negative energy, all that, everything just went, you want to help me? Like, I'm okay. I'm a good person. You want to help me? Cause I'm really, I'm really out of sorts. It, it was, it was miraculous. Wow. So he's a loving, so, kind soul. He's probably and, a very old soul. I have to think so. Yeah. Yeah. Very wise man. So he kind of <clears throat> lets me do my thing. Cause you know, like growing up, usually people will teach you how to do a, and then we're going to do this. I'm going to teach you how to do this and this. So I don't have that concept right in this marriage. And so I'll be like, I want to try this. And he'll be like, all right, let's give it a shot. You know? And so it's really by doing this kind of like, (laughs) you know, the full blanket approach has allowed for a very authentic, open-minded marriage. And how did he feel? So, so when did you decide to like, write this write your book and and how did he feel about you writing this book I think from the work that he's seen me do with other people he knows that that is my that's my sweet spot yeah Mm -hmm. so when I said I think I'm ready he's like well we've been waiting like he's that that kind like I I knew this was coming you you're going to come around to it but we know that this is what you're going to do I knew I was going to do it probably 15 years ago, actually. It's been in the back of my mind. I, I know that. This is part of my journey. So how long did it take you to write it? Six months. <laughs> oh, wow. So that's pretty quick. <laughs> yes. And, and again, it's like, you know, I try all the different bases before I find my main, my main vein, right? So, so I had, tried, you know, journaling. I've tried blogging. I've tried, you know, I've tried different avenues. And then it just came to me um, where I uh, reached out and I met Marlena. And Marlena was just like you and I are talking right now. It was just like, whoop. And so we took off and we started every week. We would, we would meet. We would just pick up where we left off in the chronological order of my story. And because I think being a woman and speaking from the language of the heart, mm-hmm. you know, she could help with filling in some of my blanks or mm-hmm. 
blackouts or, you know, so it was this miraculous manifestation of two women coming together who are very healing women and, and bringing together this, this storyline without being attached to all of the emotional upheaval. Mm -hmm. It's really, I was really, I'm really happy with it. I think we did a, a fantastic job. So how do you feel um, that your book will help others? Because I talk from my heart. From your heart. Yeah, that's what and I felt. Mm -hmm. I, you know what? I think I'm at a stage in my life where it's like, I realize the big picture in me telling you something that I'm super embarrassed to tell you. It, <laughs> my ego's like, yeah, girl, we've, we've done this before. Yeah, so I don't have that resistance to be like, to protect my ego. Because I remember getting sober and listening to somebody behind the podium and they're like, oh, and I was, you know, I got up on the bar and I was dancing and I'm like, yes, girl, yes. <laughs> so, it, so having those kind of experiences of relating. Mm -hmm. so, for, if for, so for instance, she got vulnerable, which then allowed me to come forward. So it's a process that I've been doing for years. Yes. So by writing the book, now I can just do that on a much larger scale. Now, do you feel your book uh, will help those that have, say, maybe mental health or, you know, uh, help women <clears throat> become empowered? Um, I think I think so. I really do, because that's that's what's happened, really. It's like mm -hmm. all I'm doing is telling my story. That's your my story. part. Right. I'm telling my story and you take what you want and leave the rest. Right. So I, I, I'm very hopeful of that. Um, I initially wrote the book um, for the girl in the back of the room who felt she was alone mm -hmm. because I have been that girl in the back of the room feeling completely alone years. for years. Yeah, now, yeah does absolutely. You, does your mom know? Do you, have, do you have the book? Do you have your book? Oh, it, it's in my closet. <laughs> oh, you want to go get it? Because uh, the cover is unbelievable. Yes, absolutely. You want to pause yeah. us and I'll yeah, certainly get do it. Yeah, no, get out, wait for you. <laughs> okay, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jewel is going to get her book. Uh, and the cover is, is unbelievable. It's the making of a, of a woman. It's a compelling autobiography of a dynamic female who refused to bow down to the circumstances of her birth. And with a prevailing sense of self and survival, Jules fought a hard scrabble war against the forces and people that populated her life in a way that often crushes others. And I just mentioned a little bit about your book. So yeah, I'd love you to ready? see. Yeah, I'm ready. This oh, is her. that is, this wow. Is so what inspired you to do that cover? Okay, so these are mine. Oh, oh those are your legs. Okay. If anybody was going to be on the cover of my book, it better <laughs> it would be, be you. <laughs> <laughs> I had a feeling of that because I know you said you were a bodybuilder. Right, right. <laughs> yes. And you know, when you look at the picture, and I know I'm getting a little, ah, little shadowy stuff here, but yeah. when you look at the picture, you see these elegant, long, beautiful legs. Mm -hmm. And you see that they're strong and they're muscular. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, there's like a little bit of like, you know, little, that's kind of fun and sexy. Well, mm -hmm. this is very feminine. And th so the book tells a story of the strong warrior who then becomes authentic. And for me, that is a very feminine place. And so that's what all this is, like the hardcore cement in the back, the beautiful the Christian Louis Vuitton shoes, you know, mm -hmm. all of that. And so, yeah, that's my, this is my girl. <laughs> wow. She had, she's an entity of her own, by the way. Mm -hmm. She, you know, she is her own. And being. you should be on the cover. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you won last year, third place. So yeah. <laughs> I just, you know, when that journey started, I was 40 years old. I started bodybuilding when I was 40 and it was, I just wanted to get the cellulite off my legs. <laughs> totally. That was the only goal, right? Again, source is like, I got something a little bit more for you, but you just keep doing that. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> so yes, actually I, I did a show um, and I, you know, I placed and one of the judges actually reached out to my coach at the time and said, Ah, there's one more show left. And I think if we put her in a different division, she'll do better. Oh. And I knocked it out of the park. In fact, I got a first, a second, a third, and then I qualified for nationals. Wow, good for you. And that's where I placed in the top three. That's where you placed. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You know, it's amazing when we put our heads to something 
we have the ability to be able to do anything that we set our minds to do. Yes. It's how much we want it and feel it and keep on pushing forward. And that takes courage. Yes. Right. I mean, I hear, we hear that all the time. Like just put your, you know, put your head to it, put your mind to it. I think it's the courage, right? So now I have this goal, but it's like, okay, how do I reach it? Mm -hmm. Well, the courage is telling my husband, I'm sorry, I can't go out for steak dinner tonight because I'm on my meal plan. Yes. You know, and seeing their reactions. It's the courage to stay on that path, getting on that damn treadmill when I am done with it. Going, even though if I don't feel it, right? Like I say, I go to the gym on the, they're like, how do you get a body like that? And I say, work. I I go on the days I don't want to go. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Persevere. It's been an amazing journey. (laughs) Wow. So, so you're happily married. Yes. And evidently he's, he's a godsend because oh. he's such a, a kind soul and understands you mm-hmm. and, and is willing to do, help you, you know, and, yes. and, and, and not uh, judge in any way, which mm-hmm. is like that in itself is, is a, that's a beautiful relationship that a lot of people don't have. Mm-mm. No. And I think too, that courage, courage seems to be like the main thread for me, the courage to be vulnerable, the courage to like show my junk, right? Like show my <laughs> dirty laundry. Um, it's, it's saying, you know, what? like, oh, I know you really want to do this, but oh man, I want to do this. This doesn't fit for me, you know? And then, and, and then to be able to be able to accept his reaction, because let's face it, he doesn't have the coping tools I do today. Mm-hmm. He, he has, has no concept of what it means to be in recovery or have the journey I do. Right. And so then, and then to be mindful of that, when I do present my vulnerability, that he's probably not going to respond the, automatically the, the way I would want him to, because mm-hmm. he doesn't, it's like trying to give a baby a steak. He has yeah. no concept. So I have to be mindful of that. Like, be careful. Like, what are you expecting to receive back yeah. when I am courageous? And when I do have the energy to use my voice, especially when it's against something well, he's a good, strong man because he's allowing, you know, you to be you mm-hmm. and not interfering in any way, which yes. is a beautiful thing. My husband's that way. Uh, we're married 53 years. Ah, fantastic. <laughs> I've known him for 56, um, ah. but he's always, um, it, when I say to him, you know, uh, I needed to quit my job um, as a regional sales director in charge of 500 employees and get into back into my healing work. And instead of saying, what are you crazy? He said, if that's what you wanted to do, then then go for it. So every, every step of the way, he's very, um, he, he's there for me. He's, he, he always says, if that makes you happy, then, then do it. Mm. And I feel like you, that God, you know, put him in my path to allow me to be free, to be who I'm meant to be. Yes. Which is how amazing to have that kind of platform. Right. And John, excuse me. Oh, you'll have to take that out. Um, (laughs) My husband, um, he, he has provided me a a platform to learn how to trust Mm -hmm. because Every other situation, I, I thought I was trusting them and then the rug would be pulled out, mm-hmm. pulled out, pulled out, pulled out. And so there was a, a moment in time where every morning he would bring me my coffee and, and he would just look at me and go, I'm not going anywhere. Oh, wow. I would see post-it notes. <laughs> if he hears mm. I even do this, tell you this, but He'll be wow. livid, but um, he'd put post-it notes in my gym bag or on the coffee maker and telling me, you know, I'm not going anywhere. You are my queen. Things like that. Oh, that is some man. <sighs> yeah. That's some beautiful uh. soul. Oh my God. <laughs> it makes me want to cry. <laughs> <laughs> I wish uh. other women had that, you know, yeah. you know, it's my husband's the same way. He, he says through thick and thin, I'll always be here. And we've had a lot of, you know, roller coaster rides. Totally. Because let's yeah. face it, when I peel back a layer of armor, it's a mess up under there. I yeah. mean, it's like 
I don't even know what's going on. And so we mm-hmm. peel something back and it's just all of this, you know, like, oh my God. And it's like, you just want to duck, you know? Um, and so I think allowing me to do that and realizing he does not need to fix it. No. Like, baby, you just let, let, let the screenplay go. Like, don't, don't touch anything. Right. And so he knows that. And he knows when he's like, Hey, you know what? Have you talked to your friend lately? Or, and again, somebody in recovery who understands my language and my experiences, you know? So yeah, he's totally, he's my biggest fan. (laughs) Totally. He was putting you in your path for a reason. Yeah. Without a doubt. So now does your family know that you've written this book? No. No. No, my mom passed away in my first year of recovery, which I also see that as quite a connection with source. My mom, I feel was, she was done taking care of me. Mm -hmm. She died a year, I think a year and a half after I got sober. She gave me my first 30 day chip. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty profound. And, um, and then I did, as you, as you'll read in the book, I did uh, reconnect with my father. Oh, you um, did. Okay. I did because I, <laughs> and, and I didn't even know this man, right. I don't know who this guy is. Um, but it was like, I, I, I was just being the daughter I was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. That, that was my, that was my motto. And so um, I believe we had about 10 years worth of a relationship um, and then he recently passed on uh, a year ago. Oh, so I, I have had both, you know, both of both of those connections with, with my parents. Um, but let's face it, my family is very toxic. And I had to and still do make the decision that I'm not going to put myself in boiling water and hope to God that I don't melt. No. Hope to God that I don't come out scarred. You know, I'm just I'm not I'm not doing it. I don't think that I don't, I don't believe in obligations right. um, when it comes to things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, especially toxic people. We, got, totally. we have to think clear of them. And, and it's really hard. It's your family. And there's a lot, I mean, they can p- push a lot of buttons, but it's again, a lot of my gauging because I didn't have that experience. A lot of my gauging of things is how do I feel when I leave? You know, when I, when I'm going to leave our conversation, I'm going to be like on cloud nine. I mean, my energy's high. I'm like, let's do this. But then there are times I leave people and I'm like, damn, I need a nap or a cup of coffee, <laughs> you know? And, and I really, I've, that's how I gauge things today yeah. because we're energy. We're, we're, we're energy. We are why, energy. why would I not? Yeah. So. I always tell, you know, even my grandkids, I tell them before you go anywhere, just visualize yourself uh, self stepping into god's protective light so that all your your love comes you know goes in and out but everything Mm -hmm. else outside interference you don't need because that that drains you and then then you're not able to think you 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 pick up their emotions and it's it's not healthy and we need to stay within ourselves and that's not being selfish Mm -hmm. if anything we help people by, mm-hmm. you know, because we see things from a different perspective. In a way, I also do that. I call it zipping up. Ah, what I do, yeah. Right? Uh-huh. I zip up. Yep. But one of the things I do in the mornings, like I, I don't get on the phone. I grab my glasses and I grab my journal and I just start writing because right after I sleep, I think everything's kind of at the forefront. And so I write down the things that, you know, that are still bothering me or whatnot. And then what I'll do is I almost like seal the deal with a meditation that sets me in that right energetic mm-hmm. level. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's like I, I, I can morph right throughout my day, but I am not permeated. I am not depleted. No. It, it gives me like elasticity, we'll say spiritual elasticity, mm-hmm. you know, so I can, yeah, I can mold in and out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's very powerful for me because let's face it. There's a lot of chatter back there. Oh, there's a lot everywhere, you know, and I have, you know, some of my clients actually say, you know, for your age, how, why, how are you so energized and, and well, it, it takes practice and, and it's because I do exactly what you do. Yeah. You know, um, I step into that light. I, I take time to um, respect myself and, and, yeah. and meditate and do things for Barbara. And then I step out into the world and then we're able to help so many other people. Because you have to, yeah, in order to give it, you have to right. have it. 
Right. Mm -hmm. and, and something else I've learned about like love, we'll use the word love, right? I also see that as source, right? I see it as a, a positive energy or a, a negative energy, right? That's my, my gauge. And so when I think about love, it's like, you know, the love gauge never goes to E. It, it never goes on E. In fact, the more I give it, the more it comes. Or it's, yeah, it's, that's it's a always that's totally different concept of what I've been taught in the world, mm -hmm. right? You know, we're all about self-preservation and, you know, la, la. No, if I actually can go out there and give it, oh my gosh. And they're the smallest things, a smile. Yes. Or, hey, it looks like you're working your tail off today. Rough day, anything to crack the ice. It's amazing. You, you oh, don't, yeah. It's super simple. There's, it's not that complex. Yeah. I, I, you know, I always tell people uh, have a good day and, you know, smile. And, you know, I, I, I was on the line a few days ago uh, in one of the grocery stores and this, this lady had to be probably in her eighties. And she mm -hmm. was like, look, you could see she was looking through her bag for money and people on the line are getting all like, you know, all yeah. impatient. And, and I looked and I, and, and I said to myself, just pay for her. And so I went over and I said, I got this. And she looked at me, she says, oh, no, no. I said, oh, yes. I says, believe me, I got this. Happy Valentine's Day, I told her. And the, the, the cashier looked at me and she's, oh, my God, I feel like crying. I says, well, you know, she says, you don't even know how much it is. It doesn't matter. It mm -hmm. didn't matter. At that. And I paid for her. And she thanked me. She said, how can I repay you? I just have a good day. Yeah. Just have a good day. I said, it. So and, and, it's like, and all the other people looked at me. It was like, I wasn't sure if they thought that was weird or were they happy somebody paid for us so that they can finally get, get out better of the store, <laughs> you know, but you know, it, it's when we do, no matter what it is, uh, something small, some type of kindness brings joy, no matter what it is, like even just smiling at somebody yeah. to that person. And, and I think a lot of people have lost this especially wearing, you know, the, the, these masks and stuff, uh, you know, yeah. but, yeah. um, and I know tomorrow uh, or Tuesday where the mask days masks now come off, you know, oh my, oh, that's yeah. fantastic. But I, when I go into the stores, I, I take off my mask and I, people look at me and, you know, I'm free to be me and uh, no one controls me, but me. Yeah. So. And again, um, it's like it, it, that little zip up space. Yes. Like you mm -hmm. do you. I'm going to like yeah. mold and, you know, make my way through this day. Right. Yeah. You but know, yeah, we, about... we need to have more kindness. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And, and you, we talk about how, how quickly that can change your day. And of course you totally change that woman's day. Mm -hmm. Right. I, Deepak Chopra is one of my favorite teachers. And so I, during one of my meditations, he had said something about, you know, if you think about it, we get on, we get on the computer, I shoot over an emoji that makes you all smile and you're in California, like, oh my gosh, Jill's having a great day. And that kind of like brings you up, you know? And so, but then if I send a picture of some, you know, traumatic event that's taking place, you're like, Ooh. right? Mm -hmm. So it's like the power of the word, even- yes even here is extremely contagious. Yeah. So I have to believe that when I'm in the elevator with somebody who's all like frantic or whatnot, if I yep. bring her down, so that's how powerful I am. I can, I can create a space if they're open to it mm -hmm. that will bring them back down. Yes, in the right? That's amazing. That's an amazing gift to be able to give somebody because I know what it's like to be that woman. I've been that woman more than I've been this woman. Mm -hmm. I have been the woman that there's so much going on in my head that it's so loud, you know, the chatter. I've been that woman whose chatter so loud and the emotions are coming out and all I wanna do is just like lash out. I've been that woman, I get it. But I also know how amazing it would have been if there would have been somebody there leveling it do out that, yeah but Somebody it's the right timing that space right so that's what I try to do today but let's face it I'm still that woman <laughs> I still get I still get tied up in things mm -hmm. well yeah now, I, I do Brooklyn sometimes so <laughs> <laughs> there you go <laughs> I'm all of a sudden you know warp speed back into where I used to live in the projects but you know yes. then I say oh no 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 that was <laughs> then this is now and yeah, yeah. Yeah. We joke but, that that's my alter ego. Yes. <laughs> and her name is Rachel. So if you ever hear my husband call me Rachel, 
You just go ahead and step way back. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, my name was Babs, and so yeah. there you go. <laughs> I don't, I don't know Babs now. Every now and then she like comes like that, but I said, okay, I love you. I, you know, we're good to go. I accept you, yes. but bye bye. Go. <laughs> go. It's time for you to go. Uh, so where can people find your your book and find you? Ah, again, thank God for social media. Um, over the last uh, six, maybe six months now, um, she's launched. She launched in October. Oh. And so I've got this magnificent website is like, you know, the mothership. You'll find everything, um, uh, how to buy the book. You'll see some of my blogs. A lot of these fun podcasts that I get to do are on there. Um, and of course, all the links to my social media channels. Um, and one thing I like to tell people is in social media, that's just like when we would send emails or mail in the, you know, in the regular mail, I'm the one who opens my mail. I'm the one who's responding to people. And so by doing that, I have found that we have conversations like we're having right now. Um, and the website is uh, themakingofawoman.com. Oh, it is. Okay. Mm -hmm. So themakingofawoman.com. Yep. Oh. Yep. God, wow. You know, it's the spiritual timing. This is the right timing for it. Yes, I think so. I thought about that as I was writing the book. It's like, mm -hmm. is this the time? Because everything's in divine order. So this is when it's supposed to come out. Yeah, maybe people need to think about what is going on inside. Mm -hmm. Why am I reacting to the things outside? Because let's face it, at least I felt this when the whole mask mandate went down and it just felt like, everybody was in my business. Mm -hmm. Are you vaccinated? Are you wearing a mask? Are you, da, da, da. it's like, who, why? Back up. Me alone. Yeah, exactly. Not, not that felt business. very, mm -hmm. very invasive to me. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, it's more like, can you turn inward instead of outward? What would that look like? Yeah. And, you know, people have to understand they have to be within their own power and not allow other people to, to take that from them. Mm-hmm. That's a huge concept. Yeah. Huge concept. And in, in bodybuilding, of course, you know, we have ebb and flows. We have good days in the gym and we have mm -hmm. horrific days in the gym. Um, and then there's days you get on stage and you're rocking it. And then there's other times it's not. Mm -hmm. And what I have found is that people are real comfortable. And I think it's very natural for people to be like, oh my gosh, you look amazing. And I would feel my ego vibration go whoop. Mm -hmm. But then the day when nobody would say anything, I'd be like, hmm. And again, it was like I was feeding off other people's belief system. Exactly. So then now I had, you know, things like when they're like, oh my God, you look amazing. I'll be like, I appreciate your feedback. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Neutral. That's again, it. Again, zip up. <laughs> right. Why? Well, I mean, yeah. we, we have to respect ourselves and know who we are. Yeah. Period. And it's definitely a process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, even at my age now, I'm still learning. So, <laughs> and, and, and it's, it's a fantastic. beautiful thing. Yeah. And I think it gets easier because you know, <laughs> at least I, it gets easier for me because I know it's probably going to be messy. I am going to have the roll of toilet paper. I'm going to be blowing bubbles. My eyes are going to be swollen. That is the good stuff. <laughs> like, so it's like, I kind of thank God everything doesn't have to go to those extremes anymore. Mm -hmm. But, but I, I realized that I'm going to get in a very uncomfortable spot. And I think journaling every day helps shows me that like, oh, wait, I did this just two weeks ago. What, what is that? Oh, I'm fearful of that. Mm -hmm. Or I'm scared that that's going to happen. Or she's going to say that. Yeah, definitely it's, a process. It's <laughs> truly a process. It's wisdom. It's knowing. It's being authentic. And, yeah. you know, I would always say I'm free to be me. Mm -hmm. And and to this day, I, I, I always say I'm still I'm still free to be me. And, and I will be. Yeah, because this you've is earned it. Who I, yeah, I've earned it. I've and earned this is who I am. You, and if you don't yeah. accept me, that's OK. And if you accept me, well, that's okay too. You know, there's no in between here. We're, we're good to go. So, yeah. You know how judgment is so, it's so natural, right? That's mm -hmm. a good thing. That's a bad thing. One of the things, again, because I was on a whole new learning curve of what's good and bad, because what was good and bad before is not what's good and bad today. Mm -hmm. So I have neutralized it by whatever event I'm seeing or experiencing. It's not good. It's not bad. It just is. Just is. Mm -hmm. 
So even taking that concept, I can already feel the, like, I'm like, okay, okay, it's just it. So, okay. Um, you know, going through trauma, of course, that people will say, oh, it wasn't your fault. And, you know, okay, well, that's, okay, is there something more? Mm-hmm. And I, I was uh, told at one point that you're right. What happened to you as a little girl, you, you had no control of it. Mm-hmm. But what you do with it as an adult, yes, you have all the control of it. Yes. And people need to know that. Do you know how empowering that is? Like I can change this. <laughs> and you have. Yes. Yes. Have. yes. The power of the word. <laughs> yeah. Well, again, the making of a woman.com, right? Yes. Jules, I cannot thank you enough for, for this. I know we've gone over a little bit more time, but oh. it is well worth it. So this needs to be a, a must listen to podcast. Once oh, I, yes. I put it up there. Yes. <laughs> we're getting, I'm envisioning the making of a woman, a number one bestseller. Ah. Oh. I just want it out to the masses. Yes, because it needs to be there. So yes, this has been great, Barbara. Thank you. I'm so thank you. We finally got to do this. (laughs) Yeah, I'm happy. I'm very happy, believe me. So, you know, thank you, Jules, for taking the time out, you know, and doing this. And um, uh, thank you to my listeners. And I hope that you heard what you needed to hear. So, um, you know, visit Jules, uh, themakingofawoman.com and visit me at motivateyourlife.net. And please subscribe to this YouTube channel, uh, the Spiritual Warrior Coach Podcast. I'm also on Spotify, iHeartRadio, oh, Apple. It's everywhere. And it's also international, I have to say. So that was a big doing. (laughs) Yay. So, and, and for those of you may be interested in learning energy healing, um, check out my book on Amazon, Gentle Energy Touch, The Beginner's Guide to Hands-On Healing. Mm-hmm. So again, Jules, thank you so much for being here. And again, check her out, themakingofawoman.com. And everyone uh, have a beautiful week filled with love and with light. Love, Barbara. <laughs>